Hello and welcome to this very first edition of Prepping for Pregame with The Force. My name is Pete Reardon. I'm the pregame editor at the Daily Iowan. And I'm joined by Anna Kaiser, Robert Reed, and Pete Mills. I'm just happy to be here, happy to be a part of the for part of the force. Thank you, Robert. I'm happy you're here. It's football season. Let's get to it. Anna Kaiser, it is football season. <laughs> Let's keep it rolling. Let's keep the football season rolling. I'm happy to be here as well. Let's keep it rolling, Mills. Love it. So we are officially immersed in football season. We are full sending, and I was 1-0. They are going to know. So is Rutgers. And to be fair, they played Miami, Ohio, and Massachusetts. So, like, they're one to know, but what is that? College mean? game day could still change their minds and come here for the Rutgers-Iowa game. That could happen, but <laughs> could not happen <laughs> also. Yeah, no, I don't think Rutgers is a college game day worth opponent. Plus, you want to you wanna tailgate a college game day for an 11 a.m. game, Mills? I mean... I can't really think of the last time Iowa faced an undefeated Rutgers, so if you can find that information for me, we'll, well, we'll talk. I'm pretty sure they've only <laughs> faced Rutgers once. They have there only faced Rutgers and once. I, I really doubt they were undefeated. Really really but, <laughs> but without a doubt, it will turn into the next great Big Ten football rivalry, so just be prepared for that. No, it won't. Football was invented. <laughs> Yearly crossover game. <laughs> Birthplace of college football. That's right. Versus State University of New Jersey. Iowa City. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, Iowa... Toppled the Red Hawks of Miami of Ohio, 38-14 on Saturday. What were your guys' biggest takeaways from that win? I guess one of mine was I was looking like a definite second-half team, which honestly isn't that surprising. Looking at years past their first four games, they've taken a little longer to get it going. So the key against Rutgers is going to be to kind of start it off early, um, which they should have done this last week. But sometimes it takes a little bit to... Get the gas pumping. What I saw was the first half of that game was an obvious season opener. I mean, a 10-7 lead over Miami of Ohio. Letting them score once and you also scoring one touchdown, not the best case scenario, but it's a season opener. It looked like it. What more can you say? I think my biggest takeaway from the season opener is with the offensive line after starting left tackle, Alaric Jackson went down on the second drive of the season for Iowa. The offensive line still looked very good. They had a lot of pieces shuffling around, Kyla Schott having to come in after not having much playing experience for Iowa before, but Nate Stanley said uh, after the injury and the shuffling around, he couldn't even really tell a difference for the O-line, which... It's not good to lose Alaric Jackson, obviously, but having the people who can fill in and still make a difference for Iowa is a definite plus. Yeah, I was I was really, really impressed with Iowa's physicality on Saturday. Miami of Ohio obviously was very, very worn down by the fourth quarter. Uh, Brett Gabbert is the uh, Miami of Ohio starting quarterback, brother of Blaine Gabbert. Woo. Um, and <laughs> Blaine I, Gabbert, shout he, out. <laughs> shout out Blaine Gabbert. Um, and he looks, you know, pretty solid in the first half. He uh, put up some pretty good numbers in the first half, but... Obviously, the kind of the size and strength of the Iowa defensive line started to wear down the Miami of Ohio offensive line. So, and what I was really impressed with was just the running backs throughout the game. Like Robert said, the offensive line was all shuffling around. Hard to get a lot of consistency up front when you're doing that. Tristan Worf flipped from the right side to the left side. 
a whole lot of d- d- different footwork, still put up 465 yards of, of total offense. Like Kai Sargent running behind them, racks up 91 yards and a touchdown. Torrey Young has 48 yards and a touchdown. And also, while talking about Mackay Sargent, also leads the team with 65 receiving yards on four receptions and set up the Brendan Smith fade, which was caught over former Hawkeye Manny Rigumba, like an Allen Iverson step-over Tyron Lue moment. Doesn't that tell you a lot that the leading wide receiver on the Iowa end had 65 yards and Nate Stanley had 252 passing yards? Just everybody in their, in their grandmother was... Catching passes from Nate on Saturday, and I was pretty happy with it. I was pretty impressed with the tight ends, too. Obviously, losing Hawkinson and Fant in the offseason was a really hard hit. But Regini stepped in really well. And then Amir Smith-Marset really stepping up and kind of um, bringing more into the role that he could have had last year just with the loss of those tight ends um, in the receiving game downfield. And then also with the tight ends, didn't uh, make much of an impact in the receiving game, but Nate Weeding had... Such a good game, blocking-wise. One of the best blocking tight ends in the nation. That's not an odd thing for an Iowa tight end, but he's just continuing that uh, tradition of being someone defensive linemen or linebackers don't want to go up against at the tight end position. And then talking about that receiving game, Oliver Martin cleared last Wednesday, three days later, scores a touchdown on his first reception. Is it safe to say he's going to be a force? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. That touchdown was sweet, especially, like, he talked about it post-game. Nate gave him the look, and he just kind of knew. He ran the route that he was supposed to run. And then catching that in the corner of the end zone, that was was a good moment for him and I think for the entire Iowa team just to, again, give them confidence in their receiving game. And it just goes to show that this this has to be Nate Stanley's deepest receiving group of his career. I mean, he has Martin, Smith-Marset, Smith. He has Bax and Sargent, and Torrin Young was even decent. He has Tyrone Tracy, Nico Regani. I mean, it's looking like, honestly, one of the deepest wide receiving cores since Marvin McNutt and Koulianos. Yeah, I mean, he completed a pass to 10 different receivers. Mm-hmm. You don't just do that unless you have weapons around you, which he obviously does. And the other part of all this is kind of what, I mean, the, the, the rushing game was a lot stronger last night all season, and that allowed Nate Stanley to kind of have more options through the air. We, you know, Iowa's kind of lacking on the explosive plays last year, but uh, Torn Young and Makai Sargent were kind of looked like they could bust out a couple of long ones this year, which Iowa kind of lacked in 2018. Yeah, Makai Sargent just had that 41-yard yeah. mm-hmm. catch and run on that <laughs> green pass. To set up that Brandon Smith touchdown. Nico Regani had that 45-yarder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the um, main focuses from media availability on Tuesday, um, from the running backs especially, was just kind of them changing their game and their mindset going into this year. Obviously, three returning running backs is going to be a pretty strong group going into the year. Um, and they really want to focus on those long runs and physicality at the line and breaking through to make things happen for Stanley. Um, that also creates the opportunity for them to receive passes if they need to, if they're not handed off the ball right away, which I think is going to be a really um, strong point for Stanley and his uh, offense, just having even more receivers downfield. Yeah, and Anna, you just talked about media availability on Tuesday. We were there. It was a good time. It was a good time. It was a good time. The force Weekly, was in full force. The force was in full force. <laughs> I like it, Bills. Keep it coming. But... We get one time a week to meet with them. What did you guys take away? 
I guess just what I said, I focus a lot on the running backs. Preview to that next week. But just kind of like their mentality going into the game. Stanley is really impressed with them. Um, they're obviously impressed with themselves, um, what they could do week one. And then obviously, again, just replacing those tight ends from last year. Um, it's really big for Smith-Marset to be able to get downfield and be one of those core guys that Stanley can look to. Again, Oliver Martin will fill that role in weeks to come um, just because his eligibility got started. This past week, obviously didn't get as many looks as he could have with the small prep time. But again, it's going to be really big downfield for him. And then just kind of having that trust on third down conversion opportunities to both run the ball with their strong uh, running back group and then throw the ball downfield. And Robert, I, you talked about the offensive line on Saturday, and I know you you talked a lot with Coggin, Iowa native Kyler Shot. What, what were your takeaways just from talking with him? Kyler Shot is one happy guy right now. Obviously, he was a very happy yeah, guy. Yeah, obviously, he's not happy that Alaric Jackson went down with an injury, but to for him to be able to go in, and he was scheduled to play anyway later in the game, according to the offensive line game plan, but. He got in earlier than expected with the injury, and he's just happy to, as a walk-on, be able to go in, make an impact, make plays. Mike Golick Jr. just posted on Twitter a video of Kyler Schott pancaking two Miami of Ohio players on the same play, so he's already getting that kind of attention. Media availability, he's smiling the whole time. He's happy to talk to the media. He said it's the first time he's ever been interviewed like that before, so he was happy about that. And, yeah, it's just a good story for Iowa football right now. Yeah, Honestly, if you get to pancake some guys in your uh, <laughs> Big Ten debut with Iowa football, that's not a too bad of a start. So I'd be happy, too, if I was in his position. Yeah, and jumping off that that offensive line, Kirk Ferentz said today that he thought Tristan Wirfs had the best performance of his career on Saturday, which is just, just speaks to how much of a unit Tristan Wirfs is because he started at right tackle, and after the Alaric Jackson injury, he flipped over to the left side and just, just drove, drove Miami of Ohio down and... If they can get Alaric Jackson back, it could just be a, a giant force to be reckoned with this season. And coming from Kirk Ferentz, an offensive line guru, pretty much. That's a pretty good compliment. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Should we start making a tally of how many times Mills makes a, a force joke? Uh, <laughs> I think we're yes, at like we five right now. We are starting this tally next week. Come back for updates, because it'll... Skyrocket here. So <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. I'm calling it. Just going back to to Kyler Shot. I've never seen anyone who wants to talk with, with the media as much as he does. Oh, he he brought the he same he brought the same enthusiasm that he plays football with to the media availability, and that was very nice to see. Also, after the game on Saturday, when Tristan Worse was asked about Kyler Shot, he lit up and he got all giddy, just smiling all over. And t- and on Tuesday, when Kyler Shot was asked about Tristan Wirfs, same thing. So I'm convinced Tristan Wirfs and Kyler Shot are friendship goals. Yeah. So get you someone who looks at you or talks about you like Kyler Shot and Tristan Wirfs talk about each other. Yeah, Kyler Shot referred to Tristan Wirfs as his best friend today. He said the two of them over the summer got a job at the Iowa Memorial Union and were moving boxes together which as far as getting people to move boxes for you to starting Iowa offensive linemen isn't a bad way to start. Not bad. And then I said earlier, Kyler Schott said he hadn't had that type of interview uh, before. He was actually supposed to after the game Saturday night. He was supposed to be available to the media, but no one told him that, so he just didn't go to his interview. (laughs) But he was very happy to get the opportunity on Tuesday. 
I'm sure he'll get a lot more of those post-game opportunities yep. in the next coming weeks. And allegedly, per sources, a.k.a. Kyler Shaw himself, has a <laughs> reputation of looking like Jack Black. It's true. He, it's one of his many nicknames on the Iowa football team due to his longer hair and beard. He did say that he believes he is better looking than Jack Black, so he doesn't really Breaking appreciate news. that nickname. <laughs> I'm also not thing. sure that Jack Black is six foot two, two ninety, but <laughs> I, I could be wrong. I mean, the camera might take off a couple of pounds. So he... <laughs> Every time I think of Jack Black, I think of two things. When he hosted the Kids' Choice Awards on Nickelodeon. Oh, I remember that. The sli- yep. That one was lit. The slime <laughs> that, one was lit. that one was oh, yeah. lit. And then School of Rock. Oh, it, oh, instant classic. Cool rock. Yes. Yep. Just moving back on to football, I guess, since this isn't a Jack Black podcast. <laughs> it should be. Maybe, maybe we're going really to get a separate Jack Black podcast, though. So it's be on the lookout for that. Jack Black <laughs> with the pregame staff. Well, honestly, <laughs> since we're on the topic of Kyler Shot, we could just move into the injury updates for this yeah. week because that was a big part of Kirk Ferentz's press conference this morning. So for injury updates, Cole Banwar and Julius Brents obviously were both out for the first game. Banwar has a shot to actually play this coming week against Rutgers, which is a really good thing. Um, Brents will still be out, but um, he's going to keep working, and he'll probably, hopefully at least, be coming back sometime in the next weeks. Um, as for injuries that happened um, most recently, Riley Moss came out with a leg injury. Um, probably be out <clears throat> for four to six weeks. But the good news, the great news, I guess, for Iowa's offensive line is that Alaric Jackson just had a knee sprain. So um, obviously he's going to still miss a couple weeks, but he'll be working, and um, they're going to assess it as it goes along. Yep, so that's definitely good news that Alaric Jackson is, is, is expected to return this season or else Iowa's offensive line, even though they played well against the Red Hawks, that would be a little more sketchy going into the conference schedule. I mean, you never want to lose a preseason all-conference left tackle. and In most cases, no. No, yeah. And then moving on to Saturday, Iowa Hawkeyes versus the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. 11 a.m. on FS1. Electric. That's your that's your prime time game at 11 a.m. Kinnick's gonna be loud. It's gonna be hopping as the Scarlet Scarlet Knights take the field. For the first time in history, I might add, they have never graced the Kinnick Stadium turf until now. Iowa might be the 20 point favorites, but the Scarlet (laughs) Knights are taking nothing for granted. Oh, I mean, you can't really take anything for granted when you're at Kinnick. This is true. But they might be focusing a little more on the atmosphere than the actual football game <laughs> beating itself. At least I would. I don't know. They put up 554 yards of offense last week. Yeah. So. That's not a bad number. I would number. like to reiterate they played Massachusetts. Well, that's not a bad number either way. And McLean Carter, their quarterback, threw for 340 yards. Not a bad number. Three picks. But yeah, three picks. Neither here. That is a bad number. <laughs> <laughs> Running back, Isaiah Pacheco. Four touchdowns, 156 yards. Pacheco is going to be very dangerous. Yes. That's that's so. probably their one guy that Iowa's got to take a close look at. Yeah, he had four touchdowns last week. Broke off a 57-yarder. Yeah. 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 So what are your guys' expectations for the game on Saturday? I am thinking that you are going to see more electric plays from the Iowa defense. Had, I think, one sack last week and then an Ojemudia pick. I'm thinking you're going to see a couple more interceptions this week. Just kind of spitballing. <laughs> um, 
and pop, hopefully a couple more sacks. I don't know. I just kind of want to kind of want to see some some big hits, you know. <laughs> and I talked to uh, Gino Stone. He knows that McClay Carter threw three picks <laughs> last week, and I'm pretty sure that defensive backs room is just salivating out of the mouth, just waiting to grab their picks. Well, especially last week in a game where you could tell there were some communication issues at a time, players going back and forth looking to get the calls in the defensive backfield. In a game like this where you know the opposing quarterback isn't super careful with the ball, you want to make sure the communication is perfect between the defensive backfield. That way you can reward yourself with those interceptions. The big thing with that, too, is they're going to have to stick to their guys. Um, obviously, he can throw it all over, but as long as they're on a receiver um, and they're covering where they need to cover, those interceptions are just going to come. Mm-hmm. So that means getting your, your back turned uh, to avoid those pass interference calls and just jump up and get the ball, guys. Like The opportunities are going to be there. They just have to capitalize on them. And Kayvon Merriweather had, a, had kind of a bumpy game at free safety, but also his first career start, so you would imagine things will get better. And we saw Ojemudia is just fine, Geno Stone's fine, Matt Hankins is fine. So I think it could be a big day for that defensive back shoot. Yeah, and moving to the D-line, Miami Ohio did a great job of kind of keeping A.J. Epinesa at odds last week. Mm-hmm. Um, he was pretty quiet. I mean, although he was putting a lot of pressure on, on the quarterback, I would still think that you're going to see some more from him this week. Statistically, it wasn't a big day for Epinesa. Yeah, but right. Since he always had some form of back line waiting for him, whether it's a tight end or a running back. Yeah, I think, I guess the really big key for Iowa in this game is going to be starting out strong. It's early. You can afford to slack a little bit in the first half, but especially with this being a Big Ten game, you don't want Rutgers to sneak up on you. I think since it is Rutgers, a lot of people are going to overlook it and just chalk it up as a win. I know all of us are. Just seeing the way Iowa plays in the past and the way Rutgers has played. Are you sure? Am I sure what? Scarlet Knight upset. Uh, if that happens, just kidding. I will be leaving the force. This is my <laughs> resignation letter right now. If Iowa loses to the Rutgers Scarlet Knights this weekend, my letter of resignation to will be on may, your desk. To whom it may concern. Sunday morning, <laughs> Pete Rudin. So you better hope the Hawkeyes well, pull this one out. McLean Carter, Chris Ash, you guys have something to play for. The resignation of Anna Kaiser. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure you guys would thrive without me here. I was gone for a week. This place almost burned down. Oh, that's a hot take. It's literally (laughs) because ah, (laughs) fire jokes. Guys, Big Ten game coming up. What are your predictions? Who gets that bread? Iowa. I agree. Iowa wins. I do think Iowa's going to win, and I think they're going to cover that 20-point spread. Iowa wins. It will not be close. It will be not. It will not be close at any point in the game. Iowa Ooh, scores early. That's that's a hot take because I think that I mean if Rutgers starts out where they ended last week, I think they could put up seven on Iowa and go up with an early lead. I mean, okay, you know what? It's Rutgers. Points. I get it, guys. It's Rutgers. But like, realistically speaking, Iowa is a very very strong second half team. First half is not looking good. I remember going to the UNI game last year. The first half did not look good. So, Rutgers, here's your chance to at least take a seven-point lead. I'm not giving you any more than that, but... All of you guys are saying is get your bets in on the Hawkeyes covering. You can say that, yeah. Okay. But if you lose money, it's not our fault. 
PSA. Yeah, we're not liable. Legally putting it PSA out there. PSA the force does not condone sports gambling. <laughs> also that. For sources. Uh, Allegedly. Allegedly. Unnamed sources. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening to this first edition of Prepping for Pregame with The Force. Hashtag The Force. Hashtag The Force. The Football Force. Hashtag Blessed. Hashtag Blessed. Hashtag The Grind. Hashtag Squad. Okay, this has been The Force. I'm Pete Rudin. I'm Anna Kaiser. I'm Robert Reed. Pete Mills. <laughs> Catch you guys on the flippity flip. This has been Prepping for Pregame. And let's keep this football season going. Hashtag football season. <laughs>